0: When Paul the apostle writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6 to 10 in the passion translation and says pretty much the same but he writes this to them after him teaching them about end times because don't talk about end times now because we don't want to hear that right And this is what Paul the Apostle writes. And he says, And you became followers of my example and the Lord's when you received the word with joy and the Holy Spirit. I mean, the guy was there for three weeks. Even though it resulted in tremendous trials and persecution. Listen. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to result in trials and persecution. If you think this is a walk in the park and everything's going to be great and it's going to be hunky-dory and nobody's ever going to say anything, then you're not following Jesus. He says, now, now you became, you have become an example for all believers to follow throughout the provinces of Greek. So he says, you, you the lot that I spoke about and taught you about the end times. You became examples. He says, The message of the Lord has sounded out from you not only in Greece, but its echo has been heard in every place. I'd love that. Imagine the echo of what God does in Perth, what God does here in Christian Revival Church. There's an echo throughout the world. That's exactly what God wants. Amen. That people hear the echo, they hear there's something happening. And He says, The message has sounded out as an echo in every place where people are hearing about your strong faith. We don't need to brag about you for everyone tells the story of the kind of welcome you showed us when we first came to you. And everyone knows how wonderfully you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Yes, the bottom line of all Christianity is that if we wanna make it in these days, we have got to turn from our idols and serve the living God. Somebody say amen, amen, come on and says, and now you eagerly expect His Son from heaven. Hey, that's 2,000 years ago. But they were living in a way that they were expecting His Son from heaven. That's how God wants us to live. God wants us to live every single day of our lives with a vision for the future, but living in such a manner that Jesus, as if Jesus is coming back today. You know, and as I've really began to work through this and understand this, I've really began to live a real repentant life. To say, God, clean me up. In every area, every thought, every action, every motive, every attitude. Clean me up, God. Amen. Is my sound alright? Amen. And he says, how eagerly you wait for his son from heaven, the deliverer, whom he raised from the dead, who rescues us from the coming wrath to come. Amen. So there's the reality. Now I'm going to give you a couple of signs. So that's just a bit of an intro to say, hey, we need to know what's happening. Because there was a church 2,000 years ago who understood what's happening and they were expecting Jesus to come back any moment. And that's how we should, because the truth is every one of us, Jesus can come back any moment for you. Whether He comes back as, as and you're raptured or the second time, or whether you breathe your last breath and you spend eternity with Him. That's how we ought to live our lives. Dreaming about the future. Dreaming about many things, but living in such a manner that as if Jesus is coming back right now. And so Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, Matthew 25 is actually an They are absolutely amazing passages where Jesus sits down and He teaches His disciples, the 12 disciples, as He sits on on, on the Mount of Olives, He teaches them about what the end times are going to look like and what will happen. There's so much in that. And it's often very difficult to unpack a lot of this. But here's what happens in verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And His disciples came up to show Him the buildings of the temple. So they were very impressed. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So Jesus tells them, this temple is going to be destroyed. And it was 40 years later in AD 70. Not one stone. Now, if you've ever been to Jerusalem and you've seen where the temple was and you see the walls of Jerusalem, you see some of those stones are incredible. They are almost 40 tons. One stone. Pushed over. Verse 3 says, that is, He sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in My name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now this was not for the Jews because no no nation actually even knew they existed. It's for the church. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and they will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, say lawlessness, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, hallelujah, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Hallelujah. And then where therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. We need understanding. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to you who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. for there will be a great tribulation such as not being since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless, and unless those days were short and no flesh will be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now, I'm not gonna do this whole passage because there's so much in there. But yes, yes, a couple of signs I wanna give you that the Lord Jesus gives. And there are many other signs in the Bible that will happen that are signs concerning the days in which we live. Number one, deception. Deception simply means to cause, to go astray, to lead astray, to lead aside from the right way, to, to wander, to roam about. Deception, the first sign. Number two, Continual wars and potential conflicts. Now, if you understand geopolitics right now on planet Earth, you'll understand there are continual wars everywhere, specifically the Middle East. And let me just help every single Christian out there. The center of the world is not America nor Australia or China. On God's calendar, And in God's mind, the most important place is the Middle East. And that's what we got to look at. We don't look at what's happening in America. We look at what's happening in the Middle East. Because unfortunately, most American preachers have made America the center of the world. Well, that's not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, what is the center of God's plan and purpose takes place in the Middle East. And it always has. Amen. Oh, we don't like that, do we? America in the last days. In actual fact, you don't even hear anything about America in the last days. Nothing in the Bible. You hear of Russia, Gog and Magog, a little bit of China, and then the Middle East, and then the revised Roman Empire, the, the EU, some of it. That's what you read in the Bible. Nothing about America, nothing about Australia. Amen. Because <laughs> people think this is the center of the world. It just isn't. Now we can make this the center of revival. Hallelujah. We can make this the great Southland of the Holy Spirit if we obey God, amen. Come on, we can make this what God has destined for it to be, amen. So that one day in Matthew 25, when the nations stand before God and God judges the nations, He will say to Australia, you fulfilled the prophetic purpose that I had for you, that you become the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, amen. Because nations will be judged. We will be judged as a nation, Amen. We will be judged according to God's plan for this nation. Amen? Not in according to how well we live, but according to God's plan for the nation. Somebody say amen. So number three, increasing natural disasters, famines, and earthquakes. Now, I don't even want to get onto climate change because I'm going to rattle a lot of people about climate change policies. But, you know, the truth is uh, uh, we'll we'll get onto that another time. Amen. But we know that the net zero emissions, uh, according to the net zero emissions uh, uh, that that this country is now uh, prescribed to, that uh, eventually you can only have 12 grams of meat. And all the vegans say, ooh, hallelujah, thank you. (laughs) And all the meat-eating men out there say, we will not stand for that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. So um, the truth is that, uh, because the IMF tells us that, uh, the International Monetary Fund tells us that we will own nothing and we will all be happy. Amen. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> and those who work will even work harder for those who don't work, amen. <laughs> this, is the, this is the perfect world, right? Amen, hallelujah. Number four, hatred of anything Judeo-Christian by the authorities, because it says they will deliver you up. And hatred means oppressing together, the pressure, oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress, straits. that's what it means. So there's a hatred of Christianity all over the world. And I don't know if you understand what's happening all around the world. There's a hatred. Did you know that that Canada right now, Canada, they're burning churches by the dozens. And the government says, you know what the government says about it? You can't blame people for how they feel. Mm Mm-hmm. They have worship events out in the streets in Portland this last week and get attacked by Antifa, which is not actually anti-fascist. They actually are fascists. Get attacked as they leave in the meeting using stun grenades to attack the police, do nothing. Because it's okay if Christians get attacked. If you don't think the same thing is happening here, then I suggest that you begin to find out what's happening with our religious freedoms. And don't back off on that. So there's a hatred of anything that is fundamentally Christian now does that mean we're going to lose not at all what the great thing about the church in these days the church in these days is waking up and we are saying enough is enough we are not going to back down if we're going to be with Jesus then let it be for a reason amen if you're going to kill us then let it be for a reason but we will not shut up about Jesus we will not shut up about our faith we will not back off amen well, they may arrest you. Well, that's okay. Mm. You know, I, I, met, I met a man when I was a young pastor. He was in Mozambique. His name was in Mulunga. I, I have mentioned this to some people, but, but I, I met him as a young pastor. I went to Mozambique during the war to take Bibles. Two of us went. Now, there was like landmines, soldiers, war, chaos everywhere, but we went to take Bibles. I met with this man. He told me, he said, Uh, when when Mozambique was a Portuguese colony, he used to preach the gospel and uh, they used to lock him up because it was predominantly Catholic. He was not allowed to preach the gospel. They used to lock him up all the time. But when the communists took over, he thought, well, maybe at least he could preach the gospel. They still locked him up. They sent him to jail all the time. But he was so effective in jail that that he he led so many people to Christ that eventually let him out. He would baptize people under the taps. He led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Christ. Amen. Come on, we're not going to back off. We're not going to stop. Amen. Amen. I mean, you think it's not happening. Well, I'll tell you right now, a couple of weeks back, Pastor Paul Furlong was, was locked up for two weeks in solitary confinement just for saying on Saturday night that he will meet on the Sunday. Now, you can say what you like and believe what you like, Amen. The point is, do that to any other religion, let's see what happens. But it's okay because it's Christian. Because we don't want Christian fundamentals here. We don't want these loonies in our place. Well, you got us. We're not backing off and we are expanding. We are exploding. We are moving. We are growing. We're going to do what God has called us to do. We will not back off because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail and not stop my church. Amen. That's who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus said, cancel culture. Cancel culture. Read it in Matthew 24. Woke offense. People will be offended. Cancel culture. You can switch your aircons off if you like, if it's a bit hard. So offense. Jesus said many, and number five, cancel culture. It's just there. People will rage. People rage. Amen. Number six, offense. The, the Greek word, Jesus said, many will be offended. The Greek word for offense is the, the Greek word scandalon, which we get the word scandal. It actually was this. It was, the word scandal was a trap. So what used to happen in, as as men used to go to war, that the enemy would dig traps for your feet. And there would be spikes in those traps. And what would happen is that as the enemy would step in, The spikes would go through. That's why the Bible says, put on the gospel shoes, making reference to Romans. Because when you have the gospel ready to preach the gospel, the devil cannot spike you in your feet. Put on your shoes, amen. Put on your shoes. Start telling people about Jesus. And when you tell people about Jesus, you no longer get get offended, amen, because you have a greater cause in your life. People who get offended is because they have no cause in their life. They have no purpose in their life, amen. You can't stop me. You can offend me. You can say what you like. You can stab me in the back. It doesn't matter. You're not going to stop me. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for the plan of God, the purpose of God in this day and time, amen. So that's the first part of offense. The second part of the offense is is, a, is a, a trap that was made with spikes to catch animals, and they would put some flesh in there, bait, the bait stick, rotting flesh, that the animal would smell, and they would go for that meat, and they would fall in, and they would be spiked. That rotting meat is what they would call the bait stick. That piece of rotting meat was called the scandalon the offense. So there's rotting flesh the devil wants to set up for people so that you smell it and you go for it. You think I'm after, I am have every right to be right. I have my rights. I have this. I need to be heard, etc. I, I Don't you know how you mistreated me? Don't you know what I've been through? And what happens, people go through the rotting for the rotting flesh and they fall into the trap and they are spiked. Those spikes go through them. That's why there are so many wounded people around because they run after the bait stick. God wants to heal you. God wants to come to you and touch you and deliver you and set you free. So there is hope. Jesus said, many will be offended. Who's he talking about? The church or the world? In actual fact, Jesus is talking to his church because he's sitting talking to the disciples, giving them signs of the times. Amen. Very quiet. Yeah, this morning. So offense is something that we have to guard against. It's a sign of the time. It's probably the biggest sign of the time today. But here's the beautiful thing about this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah! We sin abound grace did much more. Bound. I live my life by that. I live my life by the scriptures. We sin abounded, grace did much more. Bound. Mercy triumphs over judgment. No matter how much you've fallen, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter what has happened, if you will just be a merciful Christian, I will guarantee you, you will experience the grace of God on a level never seen in your life. The problem is there are too many angry Christians out there. The problem is there are too many Christians who themselves have got but they will judge other people and it's that that God judges it's that that is the bait stick it's that that is the offense and God says get rid of it and let the mercy of God dominate your life so that mercy triumphs over judgment amen that's why Jesus said if you have the if you are without sin cast the first stone amen you want to live free of offense you want to live victorious in these last days then live free and live Blessed, live, merciful, be gracious towards people all the time. Amen. Amen. Especially if you're a married couple. Mm, The Bible says treat your wives with respect. (laughs) The Bible says actually men, it's why many men don't get answers to prayer because they disrespect their wives. Oh, I shouldn't say that, right? <laughs> Amen, Paddy. <Is> right? <laughs> At least I know you got my back here. <laughs> Amen. And for those going to get married, you better treat your woman with respect. Amen. Amen. So offense. Offense is a big thing. Number, number seven, betrayal. Betrayal. Betrayal means... I will betray you and give you up. That's what it actually means. It's not somebody hurting you. It's about somebody giving you up to the enemy. Amen. It's like dobbers, you know. I love that Australian word, dobbers. Phone the police. My neighbor wasn't with That. I'm shocked that this is becoming a nation of daubers. Amen? Because government and media have painted pictures about people. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I really ask myself, and I often talk to people about we have to always ask ourselves am I the Nazi? How would I have fared in Nazi Germany? How would you have fared in Nazi Germany? With the classification of Jews as second class citizens giving up Jewish friends how would you have fared so that your life could be better, how would you and I have fared? And, it, and we really need to answer that question very, very seriously in these days. Because it's that that will determine a lot for our future. Will you give up your brother? Amen? <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. Because the greatest instinct other than the sexual drive in men is self-preservation. The drive to preserve your own life is so strong that we will actually betray people to preserve our own lives. Unless we've come to the place of absolute surrender to Jesus and I love not my life unto death. Jesus said, if you love your life in this world, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you will find it. No greater love is a man than he laid down his life for his friend. You see, the point is this, the gospel is totally opposite to what the world says. The world says, give, uh, uh, give up your brother. The world says, expose people. The world says, shame them. Amen. And so hatred is another point. Jesus says you'll be hated by all nations. There'll be false prophets to deceive and bring oppression. That's number nine. So what about the media that operates like a Jezebel spirit? What about the politicized justice system and public servants? What about that as false prophets to bring deception to many people so it can bring oppression? What about fear mongering amongst Christians? Taking on the world's spirit of fear. Amen. Let's read Isaiah chapter 10 verse 1 to 4. Let's talk about this, the whole issue of false prophets, hatred, etc. So so God says this. He says woe to those who legalize injustice and write oppressive legislation. You think God is okay with oppressive legislation? But no pastor, read Romans 13. I read Romans 13, but I read the rest of the Bible. You rip away, verse two, the rights of the poor and you prey upon widows and orphans. What do you think's happening in the world today? The absolute spirit of fear propagated by mainstream media. People are so fearful in these days. It's a sad indictment, but the church is different. The church does not carry the spirit of fear. The church carries the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We are different. We are the answer to the world out there. Amen. We are not the same as the world. I know Christians may get mad with me, but that's okay. We are not the same. I'm born from above. I'm not born from beneath. I'm born from a heavenly Father. I'm not born from the devil, amen. Come on, God is my Father, not the devil. The devil was my Father, but the day I became born again, that day I changed my allegiance to the the earthly realm to a heavenly realm, amen. Come on, that's what it's about. So he says, uh, verse three, what will come to you? Uh, what will come to you? Uh, what will come of you in the day of the visitation when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? This is the question God asks those who bring oppression and oppressive legislation. And what will you do when, with all your great wealth, you'll have no option but to cringe amongst the captive, or fall amongst the corpses of the slain? Yet despite all this, his anger has not subsided and his hand is poised to strike. Let me tell you, there's a lot of injustice in the world. There's a lot of evil legislation taking place around the world to squash people, to hurt people, to, de- to to vilify people, to destroy people's minds, to destroy people's hearts. It's not okay. And as a Christian, we have the Spirit of God in us. We are different. That's why when we when we see these things, what do we do? We pray. We speak the word we prophesy the word that's what we do we don't back off and we don't allow that same spirit to get hold of us cuz what would i have done in nazi germany that's a, a question what would i have done mm? <laughs> hallelujah number number 10 abundance of lawlessness yeah, i have so much to share in this abundance of lawlessness Lawlessness, where good is called evil and evil is called good. People have no conscience about sin. Number 11, the 11th sign is many cold Christians, because lawlessness abounds the love of many grow cold. You know, lawlessness is pretty much without law, unaccountable. You know, I love sometimes people come to me and ask me, they say, Pastor, so who are you accountable to? I say, no, no, hold on. Let me, before I answer that question, because I'm accountable to many people, who are you accountable to? (laughs) amen who are you accountable to for your actions for your life for the way you treat your wife Hmm? (laughs) lawlessness is what causes people to grow cold Hallelujah. Don't let me get it. Don't, uh, Lord, keep me away from this because I I feel like there's 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 like a bull with a red flag on this thing. Amen. I'm accountable to many people, but lawlessness is unaccountable. And never ever get into that scenario where you say to leaders, who are you accountable to? But yet I'm unaccountable. I do as I like. And this is not about control, because I'm accountable to people willingly, and I don't just leave those relationships. You, you know the point is you cannot just resign. If you make yourself accountable, you cannot just resign from that. It's one of the things that cause will cause Christians love to grow cold. I'm accountable, are you accountable? where the agape love of Jesus has dimmed. Number 12, the sign of the times. This is the best sign of all. The gospel is unstoppable and going worldwide. You see, I I love this. I love this because Jesus says, look, this is all gonna happen, but yeah, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world and then the end will come. I wanna tell you, the gospel is unstoppable. It's unstoppable, unstoppable. It doesn't matter what people do. It doesn't matter what governments do. The more people oppress, the more the gospel begins to rise up. The more draconian the legislation, the more people begin to wake up and say, I need a savior. His name is Jesus. I'll tell you what, you can see in Pakistan, people think man there's such oppression there i'll tell you when i talk to the brothers there the two they, they say they say they they're You cannot stop what God is doing. You cannot stop what God is doing everywhere in the Middle East. You cannot stop the gospel because it's supernatural. It's powerful. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. This is the sign of the time. And I want to tell you, as Australians, we need to get busy with preaching the gospel. We have a city to save. We may not be able to travel, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I don't need to travel because there's 2.2 million people in this city that need salvation. Amen. Come on, 2.2 million people. And if we can just get that in our hearts and our minds and say, we have a job to do. We're going to reach people for Jesus. Amen. Come on, that's what it's about. Hallelujah. And she's you know, and, and there's so much I want to say to you. You know, the truth is this, that we have a job to do. I want to leave you this morning as I finish this, because I've I have millions of scriptures the media guys they always get a million scriptures from me Uh, if I get through a few of them it's pretty good as I come to a close I want to read this because I'm jumping a lot out of here and that's okay we'll pick this up another time 2 Timothy chapter 3 you know pressure is inevitable but so is freedom and deliverance Pressure is inevitable, but so is freedom and deliverance. Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy. Timothy pastored a big church in Ephesus, 50,000. But he says this, he says, You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. You know, If Paul the apostle today was around today, probably would be deemed a failure. Because the way God sees things and the way man sees things, two different things. There's a lot of people around with talents, but no anointing, no character. And he says, you've, you've seen my life, my perseverance in verse 11, and this is what we also need to look at. You've seen the persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me, hallelujah. And he says in verse 12, and yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I, I want to this is a very important part. He says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Greek word for persecution simply means this in English. Continual pressure to cause you to run or give up your place. That's persecution. Persecution. You may be enduring persecution at work. What are you gonna do? Because Paul says, if you're gonna live godly in Christ Jesus, and listen, it's got nothing to do with vax anti-vax, just let's get past this now. If you want to live for Jesus or vax anti-force, etc. You want to live for Jesus, if you want to be an example for Jesus. If you want to be that person who stands up for Jesus, I will guarantee you that you're going to experience persecution. But you have to make a decision. I am not giving up my place. God wants me here and I'm willing to endure this because, yes, the problem. Too many Christians think, well, nobody wants me here. No, people want you there. The devil doesn't want you there. Are you going to run from the devil? Are you going to give up your place that God has got for you? Yes, the point. Don't give up your place. Don't give up your space because God has got a plan for you. Amen. God has got a plan for you in the place that you are working, maybe a school, maybe a uni, at the workplace, whatever you're working as in the mind. Company, God has got a place for you. Stand firm, stand strong, and say, I'm not giving up my place. No matter how much the devil comes for me, I'm standing firm in my place. Spoke to one of the young men in the church last week, and he said, And this is in an official capacity. He said, he would have people walk past him all the time and say to him in his face, "Spreader, spreader." they had a choice. You know, you either get vaccinated or wear a mask, and I've said, "We don't even fight about that. Just do whatever you feel in your heart. They made a decision, I'll wear the mask. But he said, from that, because his mask says faith over fear, from that, people have shifted totally. People that are professed atheists, they're reading the scripture. He's given them scriptures. You see, do you understand that God has a place for you? And if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, the devil wants to remove you out of that place, that's persecution. So what are you willing to do to be a witness for Jesus? We have to get rid of the fights that are non-essential at this stage. We've got to get rid of those things and say, Jesus, I'm here. You've got me here for a reason. You've got me here for a purpose, Lord God. And I know the pressure may come against me. Maybe I don't drink with the boys and do everything with boys and laugh at their jokes and all that, but I'm gonna, st- you've got me here because all, every one of these people are gonna come to Jesus, hallelujah. I'll tell you what, God can do anything. I remember, uh, uh, the, the, the and I've shared the story before, the one place that I worked at, when I was a young man, I was, uh, there were three Christians there. everyone else in that place were of other religions. But I will tell you what, we lived our lives in such a way we were called Christian boys. We were mocked, etc. It was nonstop. But by the time I left that company, every one of those people had made a commitment for Jesus. They'd given their life to Jesus. Amen. Why? You, the devil wants you out. You're going to have to make a decision. I'm not going to budge. I'm here by the design purpose and plan of God. I'm not going to stop. I may come under persecution, but this is not going to stop me. Amen. Daniel chapter 3. And as I finish off. Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, because the king said, Nebuchadnezzar said, bow to my golden image. And they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Verse 17, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. So they make the declaration. Because He says, bow before me. He says, they say we're not. But you can throw us in the fiery furnace and our God will deliver us. Amen. And here's the next point where many Christians miss it because it continues. But they say, but if not, if our God doesn't deliver us, if we are thrown in the fire and we burn and we feel the pain, if not, let it be known unto you, O King, that we do not serve your Gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That's the mindset that Christians need to have. We're not going to bow to the image of the world, and our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to this. Amen. We are not going to bow. Hallelujah. Nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. God has got you here, man. God has got us here in Australia. The devil's not going to take our place because the church of Jesus Christ is alive and is willing to do what God wants it to do. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is expanding. The church of Jesus Christ is going to make a difference in this nation. I'm telling you, now is the day. Now is the time. Come on,